All right, everybody, welcome back to the Bear Trap Discord podcast. My name is John Kirby. My co host is Vic. All chart credits, as always, go out to Auk. Um, this episode is actually our Doomsday prediction, so to speak. We're finally the cusp is nigh, as they say. Um, and uh, as always, we don't know what's going to happen, um, but we can identify uh, weaknesses in the distribution, um, periods that provide an opportunity for more weakness, and that's what this is. So yeah, I guess um, this is probably a bit of an important one. We had to cut it a little bit short, um, but I think there's enough in there that uh, you'll get the idea. Yeah, so like, share, subscribe, etc. I uh, hope you enjoy. We're actually, I mean, it's kind of funny because a lot of people are super, super stoked about this breakout um, and thinking that, right, because we had obviously um, this massive, massive trend line. Um, let me see if I can draw it on here. Uh, we had this massive trend line from the high, at, this is on, on the E-minis, doesn't really matter what you use, yes, uh, spy, whatever. Um, massive trend line, three highs, um, three points connected, then this was the, a big CPI that um, you know broke through and then we came right back inside the zone. We finally started to break out. Um, and so the thinking goes, okay, we're breaking out because we're getting a quote unquote soft landing. And I, I, I guess what that means is that we're raising rates, but we're raising it at precisely the right rate that will simultaneously curb inflation and not suppress the economy so that, um, you know, everything is going to be fine, essentially. And um, I don't know, I, I don't I don't really find it super convincing from just a technical standpoint, even because um, if I look at this, for instance, like if I'll go to it to this daily time frame and then I have my little linear regressions or whatever, um, we're still well within uh, sort of a like the same channel that we've been in for a while. So it's almost like from a technical standpoint, we're in a different channel, but from like from a statistical standpoint, we're really in the same sort of zone. Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of like what I use to like, I think technicals are useful to trade off of if you're especially like on shorter timeframes and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, sure. Um, statistics are a little more useful to draw conclusions off of. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So what are some of the, you know, we I was, saying this in the discord the other day that this was uh, a massive bull trap <laughs> why why would this potentially be a trap for folks i'm just you know hypothetically because you say you have some reticence to it uh you know technically there's a reason for that but what are, what are some other reasons maybe that we maybe bulls may be falling for a trap here um i mean one of the things that you would so so there let me, let me start with the sort of the good signs. One of the good signs is that like we are seeing market breadth, right? In other words, everything is moving. We have defensive sectors that are actually coming off mm -hmm. while constructive sectors are rebuilding, right? right. So defensive would be uh, whatever cyclicals, uh, utilities, uh, staples, all those sorts of things. And then and then constructive sectors, I, you know, I think about all the more speculative stuff like tech and all these things. Um, but something that you don't really want to see when you're looking at something like um, when you're looking at a recovery is, I'll use a couple examples. I think Meta is a pretty good example, right? That 25% off of the uh, bad earnings and then saying that, you know, they're going to do the share buybacks. Yep. Um, or you can look at Tesla, 
And I mean, the, the ramp up, right, from whatever that was, like 100 bucks all the way back up to almost 200. They closed just shy of 200 handle on, um, on Friday. Yeah. Or Apple's right a great example, too, because Apple had their worst earnings uh, since 2016. Um, yeah. And yet the thing they gapped up and rallied. Pretty silly. So there's a difference between breadth and exuberance. Is kind of what I want to say. Does this have any of the makings of a, the beginnings of a blow off, like maybe blow off swing high type top here? It's it's starting to seem like it. I think I think one of the issues that we're having a little bit is that, um, again, you know, if I want to be true to this sort of statistical nature of of uh, these types of like longer term analyses, um, we actually have room all the way up to you know, <laughs> forty. 4450 on ES technically sure. yeah. uh, before we're actually it seems like we're actually getting out um, and it's, it's not likely that we're going to get all the way up there I'm just saying that like we have a lot of space here there's nothing in the way so uh, I mean let's talk cycle then okay so technically there's space I agree with that there, there definitely is um, we're in us you know again we're in like mean mania again with Carvana going from three to 19, three to 20, really. You had Tesla that dropped from 330 down to 100 within months, and then back to 200 within a month, I think. Uh, Meta, if you look at the Meta chart, it's so fascinating. I wish I would have got this to you, but you, you know the um, return to normal, and then you basically know the market cycle uh, chart that people like to throw out there. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's like you got return to normal, then you got um, capitulation, then you got the despair levels and the return to the mean. That chart of meta looks exactly like it. Um, and we came right back to the mean. On, on yeah, like on this, on this weekly. Yeah, I yeah look we, at, we did actually come right back to the mean. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that, that is crazy. That chart is perfect. So what I, what I think of it as is like, okay, first off, gosh darn it, I didn't buy the despair levels. Like I said, I would. Uh, I'm waiting for Bitcoin to do this kind of thing. I didn't do it in Tesla either, um, but we haven't seen other stock, a lot of other big stocks do this yet. You know, like uh, like a Microsoft, I would think would probably be the next one. No, that's uh, true. Microsoft, like Microsoft and Apple, uh, are not there. And 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 for those of you who will say, well, you know, that's just one stock. How much does that mean? The problem is that you know because uh, the market caps of these guys are so inflated and they constitute such a large percentage of the index. Um, in order to actually see exhaustion in SPX, we need to see exhaustion in Microsoft. There's no way around it. Yeah, um, and so you know exactly. And so it, do I want do I want to see these stocks sort of make the same kind of move that Tesla and Meta, like Microsoft, Google, Amazon. I don't know if Amazon's chart looks like it. I actually haven't looked at it yet, but Apple mainly. People hate Amazon, man. Yeah, Amazon <laughs> sort of looks like it, sort of like a a despair level buy. Well, one of the one of the reasons that Amazon's a little messed up is because you see this move up here, yeah. right? That was COVID. Um, so co they had a little bit able... of the COVID uh, exuberance in there. Um, yeah, exactly. And, so and it, so it, it may have it, already it kind made of, its move. It kind of skewed the entire chart. Um, that's the issue there. And, and I'm not necessarily looking for all, all the big fangs to make the exact same chart pattern, but it's a, a similar type of thing where it's like they went to these despair levels where you thought the stock was completely done for, and, and then they rallied huge. 
Um, so I would like to see like Apple do that first. Uh, Google sort of attempts to do that. Google may be a little different. I'm not sure, but um, you know, get these stocks sort of down there into those despair levels, which would take SPY with it uh, as well. But for me personally, for this to be called a, a new bull market, I don't, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense because what caused the bear market that we've had is not necessarily gone. You know what I'm saying? So well, yeah, this is, this is, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it, no. it's the classic case of the market trying to front run everybody, right? Because the idea is, you know, if we are in a case in which we have a, uh, a soft landing, we're not going to know until we don't have a recession. There's the um, thing, soft landing though. I mean, something that uh, Jim has talked about on the, on, on the top traders podcast was that the soft landing is actually the worst case scenario for the markets, for stocks. Whether the economy is good or not is not important. It's only important for your for what you expect stocks to do. But if you think the economy is going to be great, does not mean that the stocks are going to perform well. And he always refers back to this period of time, which I wasn't alive in. But he talks about, you know, there's a period of time where there's like a whole decade where stocks uh, on in real terms didn't return anything, even though the stock that the economy was ticking higher. Yeah. So he's talking about this sort of scenario where it's like it's soft landing. And if that's actually true, it's not going to be great for stocks. doesn't mean that you can't make money in stocks. It's just not going to be – we're just not going to see new all-time highs. Well, and, and I mean that, that's – it's really a, a rate thing, right? It's a question of – right because the, the stocks um, – equities are forward-looking, right? So if our expectation is that – you know, the, our rate of growth is not going to outpace our rate of inflation for a little while, um, meaning a year or two years, then it's really, really hard for equities to actually move. So, if, I mean, if you are bullish here, then essentially you're thinking that GDP is going to be able to outpace the rate of inflation. And even if we're saying we're going to have lower than typical inflation, right, like let's say that we keep a 4% rate, um, there's literally no reason for, right, you're only getting a Two percent, uh, like let's say that you're having your GDP is growing at, you know, it's hard. I mean, GDP usually grows at like two, three percent, right? It's like it's not. It just doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense. So you know, you've got you've got a lot of the conditions that cause this bear market still present, and even if it is a soft landing, well, that 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 doesn't mean we crash, right? For stocks, but I think you see a lot more of what happened in 2022. Well, I mean, what's what's going to create the crash is the fact that we're not going down, right? Like we, if we get these moves that create over exuberance, and they also create um, too large of a differential from a true valuation. So let's talk about that because what's coming up here in uh, in a few weeks that supposedly could set up something like uh, you know a nice move lower. I'm not going to say it's a full on crash, but uh, you have this window here where um, a lot of the flows that have been holding the market up, at least, at least in my opinion, and, and some others, are going to basically be gone. So yeah, so XX. I mean, this is kind of a, a question that I have, right? Which is that um, I'm trying to remember back because it's been a while. Um, we haven't had a positive gamma dominated OPEX in a little while, um, and so. I'm kind of wondering whether we 
squeeze into it or rather the expiration, right? Like whether those charm and Vana flows actually hold, keep us down, they keep us muted. And, and so that gets into your, that gets into your, um, how is everything positioned into, into these expirations? Are we going to see a squeeze like a, a situation where the market's up, mix up type of thing where it, you know, it doesn't make sense. And it's just this kind of blow off top situation where you see a spy like 440 or something like that start printing. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely, I could actually see that um, as well. Right. It's like this. Um, I, there's no real reason for us to, unless CPI comes out on the 14th really bad. Um, it's really, really hard to get us out of a positive gamma environment. Um, I mean, we saw that earlier in the year. I remember trying to short during um, that July rally. And oh, it, it really sucked. it sucked. <laughs> well, you got the you got the super low skew in the in the in the back months, and so every time skew rises in the in the you know next couple of days in in the front in the front expiries, uh, it just gets it just gets killed right because there's just no reason for the market to actually you know cause a vol event. How and, what are what is the mechanics for that? Because this is I mean. That's something that I, I don't quite understand yet, because to my sure. mind, it's it's almost like, um, how would I put it? Or we'll pull up skew real quick. Let's just see what's. I haven't looked at spy yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, for tomorrow, just because I usually wait till the morning. But um, so I mean, we we kind of always refer to this chart just sort of to get an idea of, uh, you know, the expectations into these future expiries as far as uh, IV goes, and everything's pretty. It's it's raised up a little on the left tail here. If you if you're a an aficionado here of these and you look at these all the time, but um, involves still sort of low. And so every time you see these these front dates, like like you know uh, tomorrow's you know obviously the sixth, so um, sixth is is kind of low. I expect it probably to to go up and uh, and probably drop off again. Um, just because it you know you got every other expiry sitting there at like less than twenty percent. And you got VIX sitting at 18. Yeah. So we can expect the, the vol of the day or the next couple of days, especially if there's no data releases that surprise the market. Even if, even the surprise on Friday was sort of muted, in my opinion. Having a, 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 a release of 500,000. Um, yeah, no, versus, that, was, that was insane to see nothing with. Um, versus expectations of. Yeah. So uh, what I've been saying on Twitter a lot of times is, you know, I'm looking at this skew and I'm just going, I don't see how we can even crack, how we could go down because of the way the rest of the skew looks for all these other expiries. Not until, you know, not until the skew can go up a little bit. I'm not worried about the next couple of days. In, in most cases, it's just going to be a vault crush. That doesn't mean we don't go back down, kind of like on Friday, where you you buy. Well, your what, what, what happened on on Friday was really funny because the right it was we didn't go down because you know uh, because implied balls actually came up a lot. I mean, they did a little bit, no, um, they, but they didn't though. I was watching the VIX. The VIX was going down. That's true. What happened was like. Uh, it, it was kind of funny because implied vols only started coming up once we started going down. But the only thing that did happen before we started going down was that implied vols on the call side started to come up. And so it created a sort of imbalance. And then that's what started to bring us down. So, so I, wish it's almost like, show, 
I wish we could show Friday's uh, charts, and you don't have to go look them up if you if you can find them. That's fine. Well, this actually is Friday. This is a Friday okay, chart cool. that I pulled, um, and you can see how it's different from all these other guys because the call side is actually elevated a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's a great example of of of, and and then you had all this. Uh, you had a lot of GEX sitting at like 420, 417 positive GEX uh, gamma exposure that was sitting there uh, for the for a few days on Friday. So a lot of that expired. I think it happened as 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 folks are kind of uh, there was sort of this second attempt up into those levels, and it just got exhausted. I mean, uh, but what I, what I mean was, it's like okay, we had this crazy outside, almost like tail event in the data release. Because I don't I don't know. I've seen all the data releases for NFP. I don't think of I don't remember one like that, where it was so off. No, I agree. When we when we saw that in the morning. I was looking at it and I was thinking, oh, I mean, man. I bought puts just because I was like, okay, this has got to be some kind of, this has got to at least race, race skew a little bit mm -hmm. into next week, especially with what I know is coming potentially on in VIXX and, and CPI. Uh, but no, no, in, in fact, it was a, it was another vol crush, <laughs> even with, you know, you had such a crazy uh, unexpected surprise to the upside that was bearish. It's bearish for the market. Um, but it's just not bearish for today. It's, it's actually more bearish for long term. So that was my bad read on that because uh, I, I know it's bearish, but it was, you know, there's just so much vol supply right now that it didn't matter, man. People were still, you know, closing their hedges and uh, closing their shorts and getting squeezed. And so they get, they get squeezed into the positive GEX up into 417, 420. And and then and then you get and then you get the you know you get that gex start to expire into the end of the day, which is caused which essentially causes the sell off, um, in my opinion. But which you know you probably could have seen it. You could, probably could have seen that earlier on. Uh, if, well, if, the I mean the big difference was between skew at the beginning of the day, or rather after we sort of reversed the NFP um, things. Yeah. Uh, skew at the beginning of the day looked like this, where you know the call side was under. I almost want to say underbid, right? It wasn't wasn't yeah. getting bid enough, and then yeah. and then well, you it, go into um, then you get into this, right? And then this is yeah. when we're falling. Yeah, and so and so that's exactly right. That's such a good picture. And and so when I see that, I go, okay, you know, vol's probably going to come down or barely go up, um, but people aren't going to be rushing for puts. Yeah, especially well, it's I mean it's the issue here is kind of no, like they should. Dang it, they should. <laughs> They're not. So they get crushed and uh you get crushed for basically half a day anyways. And then the positive gex starts to expire at the end of the day. You saw it you saw it on the uh on the skew. You saw the calls going up and and that's essentially I I I think that's the chase. Well, I mean, the, the, the way that I think about this is like, if you bought puts, you paid so much more for them than you paid for calls yeah. that- Yeah, I bought puts um, for Monday. I didn't buy them for Friday, but yeah. <laughs> well, in, in any case, what's happening here is if the market doesn't go your way, um, then you're getting squeezed out of more money. So you're yeah, more likely to get, sure. try and get out. Um, whereas on the call side, you can spend a couple extra dollars there, get more for your money in terms of exposure. And yep. you're not super worried if it if it goes against you a little bit because it's still worthwhile to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're totally right. You're, you're paying you're paying up for it. So, uh, my mistake on Friday was uh, was essentially that uh, I knew it was put supplied into the mm -hmm. day, 
and, and it's you could have known that without looking at anything just because it was a big a big data release yeah and you could have just looked at the SKU, but we're also positive gex for the most part on balance up to 417 420 and so you know it was an easy play just to come in and buy calls it was and the, for the first half of the day that was the, the play and then what's tricky right is um re realizing that the uh what would you call it the the put over supply um over supply i mean that would well, kind of imply that out of would hedges be, yeah okay. i mean basically as, as if we as we held around 417 by like midday most of those things were gone um exactly exactly and so then you started seeing either in the skew you're seeing people buying calls and whenever you see the call side sort of get bit up, it, it sort of sends a little bit of a red flag, no matter what for me. Um, but it may not have been that. It may have been just been that the skew on the left tail was falling so much that it made mm -hmm. it look like it. it doesn't let's, really. We matter. can actually we can actually check that actually because I, I mean these are the two charts. So let's see here. Yeah. Um, we had calls at a thirty, and then let's see if um, in the new one they were. Uh, towards the end, no, vols actually came up. So calls were, it, it, it wasn't, I mean, like you said, it wasn't a lot. It's like whatever, five yeah. points, six points, but. Yeah, so um, calls did come up, uh, even relative to uh, the fact that puts actually stayed high. Um, exactly, puts stayed, sorry, I missed that one. Puts, yeah, puts even came up a little bit there because they got up to yeah. 40. Um, yeah. But I mean, so I mean that we could have also off. been a tell um, is the fact that vol had risen into the rally. Yeah. And the fact that you had calls bid up. Uh, yeah, that could have definitely been um, that. That was a great call to hit that reversal on that uh, for sure. Even though, yeah, if you if you know that all the hedges are pretty much gone by that time that that were there for NFP, because a lot of those people that have puts for NFP are sitting there for who knows how long. You know, um, they're not buying them again. Uh, in the end of the day, but yeah, that's it's just interesting how that plays out in the skew uh, but i guess it, i guess it kind of makes sense maybe, maybe we should articulate it this way when we have longer dated skew so low um if we do get zero dte skew that is elevated or like elevated short-term balls there's more pressure on those people to liquidate regardless of whether they're in puts or in calls because um if they roll their um <sighs> Maybe maybe you'll be able to help me with this, but like there's no smooth roll to to later expiries. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's. I mean, you can see it here by the massive gap that there is between everything down here and everything up there. That Let's um, put it in context real quick because you're saying there's no smooth. The nobody's rolling to other ex expires, and this is what Jim has been talking about in, uh, on his uh, on his interviews and podcasts and stuff. Is saying that funds aren't buying vol anymore. In the future, yeah, exactly. They're buying their vol based on realized volatility, and, and what that means is they're not playing implied volatility, and they're not playing it out on the on the on the term structure. They're playing it zero DTE. Yes, um, perfect. Okay, so that that actually does connect uh, perfectly what I was trying to say, which is that um, if you're going to play out uh, using your terminology, you're going to play out um, moves on zero DTE only because there isn't enough juice on later DTEs to get yourself some continuation or whatever. Um, it's sort of like, it's a, I mean, like everything in the market, it's a reflexive process where everybody knows that everybody else is doing this, which means that there's more pressure to liquidate on that day. 
And if there's more pressure to liquidate on that day, whichever side has the higher implied vol is under more pressure. So if your puts have a really high implied vol, you're probably going to squeeze. If your calls have a really high implied vol, uh, you're probably going to come back down um, because the holders of those things um, will recognize that the vol is higher than the, than the deltas that they'll be able to realize with them in that time frame because they can't roll out or anything. And, and what happens when you can't roll out, it's not so much a question of um, uh, you as a customer. It's more a question of what happens to dealers, right? If, if as a customer, what you want to do is you want to cash out on your position immediately um, and you're not entering into a new position because the day is finite, then the hedging obligations of dealers are also in some sense finite, which means that you don't get these really continued moves. Rather, you get this sort of whipsaw type of action. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's so funny to hear that I never thought about them trying to capture the realized ball of the day because I implied ball is so underperforming. And I think that speaks to the fact that implied ball is essentially just the market's prediction on future potential movements, right? Yeah. It's so bad right now. Uh, what do they call this? Like a dispersion trade? Like nobody agrees on anything. Uh, everybody thinks it's going to be a new bull market, but everybody also thinks it's going to crash. I hear this on Twitter all the time. Everybody's bearish. No, they're not. <laughs> Everybody's bullish. We think. Oh, I was, I was, I was taking, I took some of the time over the course of the week to um, look at put call ratios as well as um, some of those gamma edge gex ratios. Um, uh, and the conclusion was really simple. And it's people are not loaded to the gills and puts. They're not. They're not. Um, no, it, it would be in the skew. If you saw people in puts, the skew would be look a lot different right now, in my opinion. Yes, it would. And and also, if you look at the GEX ratios, um, we're actually in a middle zone. We're at a, we're in a no man's land. It's kind of like half puts, half calls. Um, it's and not. So this is what I mean by by the implied vol that we're seeing is not. It's it's a extremely bad prediction right now, and I think this is what Jim keeps talking about is going, well, you know, all the funds that were essentially just crowd trading this short vol situation, um, and then all these other funds that were trying to make these bearish bets by buying vol or hedged by buying vol, they don't do it anymore because they can just play the realized vol during the day. Why yeah. mess around with the implied vol when it's just so bad? At, at its predictive powers, essentially. Um, I, 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 I really, really like that concept. Um, and I, I want to kind of highlight it from another angle. Um, the way I'd summarize it is in a split or polarized market, implied vol is underperforming. Uh, the reason for that is because um, I think maybe split isn't enough. Maybe we do need to say polarized, right? If there's a lot of people who are bearish and a lot of people who are bullish, and there is approximately equal quantities of each, then the bullish people will be willing to pay out the notes for calls and the bearish people will be will be willing to pay out the notes for puts. And because they're fighting with each other, neither the calls nor the puts will ultimately realize. So it can create a dynamic where we're getting high implied volatility consistently because people are willing to pay for options. And yet um, there's no realized volatility. In other words, those options do not move the market enough uh, to... Uh, actually create any sort of cascade in either direction. Um, yeah, and this and this is where I think we get this this uh, situation where the market doesn't crash necessarily. Like we may have some vol events here and there, but 
it's going to be a slow grind lower uh, because you're going to get the vol underperforming on both sides. Well, unless unless there's some sort of decisive metric. Sure. Uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, you got to be open to anything. Something shows up and it changes everything. The Fed starts quantitative easing six or something. You know, it's like. Well, but okay. I, I don't I don't just mean the casual like, oh, they could drop a nuke. I also mean that isn't this the sort of dynamic that could potentially lead to a um, a massive move eventually when yeah. one side hops, everybody hops on one side at the same time? No. And this is something that Jim talks about a lot. I know I always bring him up, but I'm like, what he says just makes perfect sense in that like this picture right here I'm looking at, I'm, ex I'm extremely bearish here. And the only reason I'm extremely bearish is because I know, I know the factors that cause the bear market are still there, but the positioning is way different this time. Where in 2022, we grinded lower for the most part of the year. It was, but we didn't crash it was because the positioning was still so bearish that yeah. it couldn't really crash so vol underperforms right now it's a totally different story it's, it's kind of amazing i don't know how he saw this because like now as we're articulating it right and sort of implicitly in terms of the price action whatever maybe i kind of register this on a day-to-day -day basis but i didn't have the 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 conceptual framework for understanding why this type of skew is fine until it isn't until we were having this conversation and sort of puzzling it out but if you think about it gem was thinking of that this was going to happen, you know, a month ago, two months ago. No, he's actually been thinking this for more than a year or maybe even longer than this. Well, that's uh, insane. It's crazy, I know, but he's basically looking out at the, the whole structure and he's going, well, look, you know, basically this is how dealers and customers are positioned out into the first quarter of 2023. And so we can't, there's no, you know, unless it's some crazy Six Sigma move, you can't have the type of, fall event that you want if you're a supermarket bear you can't have it right now the environment's not ready for that um it's not going to be until everybody's sort of swept out that was a, a super bear or super position bear anyways and and start looking towards the upside because everybody if, that um, was positioned bear right now and you see the trend line break that we talked about at the beginning mm -hmm. and you see the the golden cross 50 50 day just moved over the 200 sma on the daily and now you're thinking okay well maybe i was wrong and now i need to start looking to buy some upside here i was for for a second i thought to myself oh you know maybe i was wrong you and thought that saw, too huh and then and then i saw facebook move 25 percent, and i was like no no right exactly it's <laughs> well and that's the other thing too is like you've had all these bad like netflix uh you know, they went down on earnings, but then came back up, and now they're like trading higher. I think you had uh, you had Tesla gap up on earnings and continue. You had Apple worst earnings ever, I think, or whatever it was, gap down and then and then trade higher. You know, you had Meta. I mean, that was an insane move for Meta, um, and and that's even off the off the lows. So that came up. So I, you know, if you look at all that and put that in perspective, I'm a mega bull right now from those from those factors right there. But then that's when this stuff starts happening, though. And this is, I, you know, if we could go back to COVID, like right before that happened, I bet yeah. you a lot like this, the skew. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I, I was going to say, why don't we take a look at the open interest and see if the options positioning kind of reflects what we're thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Because, I mean, we're seeing something in the skew. We have an interpretation. 
Um, yeah, let's see. But then here, I'm looking at – I watch the flow all day long. You know, I watch sweeps and, and, and floor trades all day long. And a single legs, really. But, you know, you start to get an idea that, you know, somebody feels the same way I do about what's coming. Um, a ball event of some significance is potentially in the works. But let's I mean, I mean yeah, that 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 uh, trade that came in, what was it, like 104,000 contracts of 25 VIX calls for uh, March 17th or something? Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. 17th, huh. Yeah, I That's forget 17th or 31st, but there's some crazy action coming. So they just the rolled back out. They just rolled out to the, the next VIX X. Uh, yeah, I guess it can't be the 17th, right? Because that's not a VIX X. It has to be 15th. Either, yeah, 15th. It doesn't have um, to be. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it'd have to be the 15th. But yeah, um, that's neither here nor there. The the open interest here. So uh, obviously the AMs again. Here we go. With, uh, with OPEX being 18% of the OI here, February 17th, AMs. Yeah, and then March 17th, AMs, and then April 21st. Okay. Man, so, March 17th, 38%. Man, um, maybe that's why this guy's buying this, buying these VIX calls. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of funny. I mean, you do see at least when I look at this SPX open interest, I do actually see um, a lot of what we were talking about. Where like we're still, it it, it looks quite symmetrical. Um, yeah, it definitely does. And so what we're talking about, where people are are uh, they're either in the full camp of hey, I'm a bull now, or they're in the camp of I'm still super bearish. Um, that's what you start seeing. I, uh, like, I don't know why you start seeing, you know, it's funny is uh, I was talking to my mom today. <laughs> you know, they always say like when your mom starts asking you about investing in stocks, <laughs> start to get weary. So she's asking me about, Hey, I was talking to this guy and he was telling me the S and P 500 was a good place to invest. You know, she's been trying to invest for a long time, but she's never actually said S and P 500 to me. Yeah. And so I was like, mom, don't, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Not right now. And it's just so funny that she would do that right now. Right when I pretty much, I'm pretty sure we're close to a, a near a, a local top. It's just funny that my own mother was coming up to me asking me about stocks. Well, I remember, I remember back when um, everybody was talking about uh, oil stocks again, like Oxy and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I had another buddy. I had another buddy, uh, longtime trader, 20 some years. He's been trading. He's an older guy. Uh, he just got blown up. Literally. He had to borrow money from his son. Oh, God. Yeah. And so he's an old retired guy that's been trading for many, many years, got destroyed on shorting natural, uh, uh, no, on buying natural gas. Oh, that's interesting. And lost pretty much everything. It seems, it sounded like that's what he told me today. And so I'm like, okay, so this, these people that I know, my mom's asking me about buying S&P 500, and this guy got blown up. I mean, that means it's time to buy nat gas, man. For sure. That's what I was thinking, too. That's exactly what I said. I'm like, okay, well, how much is it trading right now? Because <laughs> I'm going to go buy some. I, you know, I've been thinking, I've been thinking like, about buying some for a while. But, I mean, it's the, from a seasonality perspective, it's a little rough. Like, that's why this is so – this guy's dying. But um, – Sorry, that's neither here nor there. So, you know, it's just funny because, you know, you're in the market all the time and you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure we're close to it. It seems kind of FOMO-y, kind of frothy up here. 
Uh, you know, people aren't positioned. They're not hedged at all for any kind of tail event. Uh, I don't even think it would take a huge tail event to take us much lower. That's true. One thing that I'm not seeing on this SPX chart, that's a good way to put it. I do not see... Do you remember uh, way back when, when we were looking at, we're like, oh, they're still in the 3800s. Oh, they're still in the 3600s. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, what are they on the 4000s? Like, give me a break. That's not, there's nothing. There's well, nothing. All I under see here. is JPM collar here. I don't really see anything else. Exactly. It's just JPM collar. And then, I mean, SPY is a little bit different, right? Um, which is interesting. I, I don't know what to make of this off of the bat. Um, you just look at it like a profile. Um, you know, as a distribution. So, you know, it, but it doesn't look that bad to me here. 17 uh, is 29%. Yeah, you um, see that the put call is still pretty bearish. Uh, yeah, which, it is. Which means folks uh, folks are, are, are fairly bare um, further out. Um, but, you know. Why would why would it be? Why would the positioning on SPY be bearish? Because to me, I like read this a little bit where I, I look at this and I'm like, I think, okay, you know, more retail is playing SPY than SPX, right? Um, for sure yeah and, and more people i think folks i think funds are hedging more in spx now or in spy than spx but um because they got zero dt now too so you're probably going to see more flows in there for, for that but um i i couldn't i couldn't actually tell you that for sure but that's just my my theory on it um yeah but, uh, i just this this one does seem like this does look a little um but it's the distribute. It's very well distributed. Whereas I remember way back when we would have that one strike that was the like big hedging strike. Yeah, and, and this and, one is pretty yeah. well distributed. I don't know what that means. Um, well, I mean, so look at look at the the laddering that's going on here to the downside. Uh, what oh, I mean by, now what I know mean what by it that means. is it, yeah. it looks like a ladder. <laughs> like it's pretty pretty even on each strike as far as if you consider all the expiries. Um, Downside it, it get, laddering is toxic. It's it that's what you can that's what can create cascade effects, whether to the downside or the upside. And then you look at the upside, okay? And it doesn't look like there's anybody even trying to play it. Like to me, I look at this, there's nobody trying to play upside here. At least at least really far upside, right? Like if you're looking at um, right. Okay, yeah. You want to move it up into 430, okay? You know, that's fine. But that's, I mean, that's like, man, that looks like max limit to me as far as what the options market is trying to price in here. And, and so this is what you got to look at on a total picture wise. But, you know, on a day to day basis, obviously, it gets a little bit more, uh, you know, less clear. But if you had this picture in mind, you can kind of know who's going to get screwed on a day to day basis. Um, but, you know, if I'm looking at this, I'm going, holy smokes, man, everybody's just buying puts. It's not, and and but they're buying for, I mean, my goodness, way out there. Not only way out there, but they're going all the way down into the 340s, the 330s. And so here's something Jim talked about. Jim talked about this, this particular situation where he said, you remember the the gamma squeeze that happened in 2020? Yeah. Well, that was called by that was that was caused by calls, you know, crazy retail calls mm -hmm. up the chain, right? And that's what happened with GME and AMC. You know, they're buying. And Carvana recently it happened where they're they're buying the top of the chain, and even Tesla, they're buying the very top of the chain, mm -hmm. and they're just loading the boat there, and, and then obviously all the way down. Well, I I also I want to reiterate though that the difference here, um, in structure is that before we would see everybody hedging around the same strike, and now they're not. When everybody hedges around the same strike, as we get close to that strike, there's pressure to liquidate. 
um, which usually forces back up, us, up, us back up. But if they're not doing that and there's this laddering, it means that once the price gets past one of these initial strikes, you only need a little event to get us there. I mean, little, we have to get out of this positive gamma structure. But once we get underneath one of them, if we do it in time, then those put holders feel really good about having liquidity um, and having opportunity to move their puts down to the next strike. And then that furthers our move down. And so you get yeah. this, you get this feedback loop on the way well, down. Well, and so here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out to, because if you're you're sitting here and you've got all this put positioning, think about because we've been looking at this for months now. And so think about how these puts are going to respond to a vol event. Oh, it's going to be crazy because, okay, you can- Because they're so um, cheap right now. They're so cheap. And also, if you think about it, when we have uh, highly Vega sensitive puts, right? So like yes, we're talking go. about far out of the money, far out in time puts. The types of puts that are very, very sensitive to implied volatility, what happens is whenever you get a volatility event, all of those, their value comes up. So we're talking now about these March 17, yeah. uh, March 31, April. We're talking about these 320s going 320s. 100x. Exactly, exactly. And then and all the- Think about the dealer who sold those. Exactly. What is he going to have to do now that his $1 put that he sold or however much it ends up, ends up was sold for, just for example, goes to, goes to, you know, goes to 10 cents, goes to 30 cents, 50 cents. Yeah. What is that going to be? What's the impl implication on the Delta requirements there? Um, Cause they're going to be severely underwater if that happens and they're going to have to start hedging that. And this is what Jim kept talking about. He even re referenced that specific thing was, you know, you're going to see these three thirty puts, you know, go from one cent to a dollar. Yeah. Yep. And, and what is that? That's where you get the gamma squeeze to the downside. And if you were looking at this and say it was, you know, GME, but it was inverted. Well, you'd be pretty, I'd be pretty bullish on GME. Yeah. If this were the distribution that you had. Yeah. Um, so, especially when we're not seeing anything on SPX that's contravening it. Right. It's actually yeah. a similar ish distribution. I mean, maybe you could argue that this strike right here. I think it's is, distorted with the JPM collar. Like if you just if you could do it without the, the quarterlies, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, it just ignore for everybody. Just ignore the four thousand strike and then ignore this five thousand mm -hmm. strike, I guess. Um, yeah, but um, other than that, right? If you're looking at it's just the thirty nine hundred is kind of the peak, but it's not that much greater than say the the one right above or the one right below. So it's it's a pretty similar laddering. It's not it's nothing exactly. crazy.